We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 117 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. I am a writer for Cheesehead TV and an analyst on Green Bay Nation. You can follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. Joining me today is resident film guru of the Pack-A-Day podcast, as well as horror movie reviewer and expert and extraordinaire, uh, Dusty Evely. He is a writer and podcaster for Pack to the Future. Dusty, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, you bet, dude. Happy to be there. That's, uh, that's, that's quite an entrance. I'm, I'm very... Very, very proud of all those things. Thanks, Andy. Which one are you more proud of? The resident Packaday podcast film expert on the Green Bay Packers or the, uh, you know, film guru, horror movie reviewer of, you know, an extraordinaire in that regards? Man, I don't know. I mean, extraordinaire is exciting. I, I might I might go with the film guru thing just because we've got, uh, you know, what, 20 some odd people on Packaday and, and to be included in that uh, that conversation as far as film guru among all these lovely people that do this is uh I know it's kind of amazing. So I'll, I'll take that one for now. Ask me tomorrow. I may say something different, but for now, uh, I'll take that. Well, perfect. I appreciate it. You do awesome work. Uh, we'll get into that, obviously, a little bit later as well as some of your film breakdowns. Um, you know, lots to talk about. Obviously, you know, Packers coming off a disappointing loss last Thursday. Uh, still a lot to digest. And we start kind of getting into Minnesota Vikings week as well, in which, you know, now basically every game seems must win from here on out. 
but we kind of got a little bit of injury news today. We had known that Jimmy Graham injured his thumb and broke his thumb. Uh, we also found out today from Ian Rappaport that Daniels will be out for at least three weeks, likely with a foot injury. So let me start by asking, what exactly does this mean for the Packers? How are they going to be able to replace these two players? And who really needs to step up with both of these players out? I mean, it sucks, man. I mean, these two guys are huge. I know, I know Graham's numbers haven't been kind of what people would hope they were, especially in the red zone. But, man, they run so much stuff off of him. The offense, the passing offense runs so much stuff off of him. So, uh, I mean, whether people believe it or not, I, th- I think losing him is going gonna, is gonna to kind of hamper the passing game kind of more than it already is. Uh, or at least that's from the outset. That's, that's kind of my fear. And, and I don't need to talk too much about Daniels. I mean, Daniels is I feel like he, I feel like he's had a down year, but only a down year in that like he's not playing as well as say Kenny Clark is, but Kenny Clark's a monster. Like, hey, Daniels is still having a tremendous year. And so, I mean, losing him on the defensive side is is rough as well. So, I mean, you know, the obvious ones are, and we saw one of them this past week. Um, and, and one of them actually is something we waited for all year. Man, you, Mercedes Lewis has got to give got to get more involved. Um, that this gives him a chance to get on the field a little more, which is exciting. And also, Andy, as I'm sure you're very excited about, gives Tanya a chance to shine a little bit. Um, you know, he had the big touchdown this past week. Um, maybe you get him out there a little bit more. That's that, that'd be kind of exciting to see. Um, I don't know that's going to replace what Graham can do. Um, but, but they do have the pieces to kind of maybe Frankenstein that thing together and kind of the same on the other side, actually not the same on the other side, not the same on the other side. Um, you know, Kenny Clark's been amazing and Daniel's been good. Um, this gives chance, uh, Montrevious Adams a chance. I, he's flashed. I don't know that he's looked amazing. Andy, you have a better idea than I do since you've, you know, kind of watch everything the defense does. Um, but it does give Adams a chance to shine out there. Uh, I, I think that's that's the bigger problem for me. I mean, you know, the run defense hasn't been great. The pass defense has been good. The pressures kind of come from all over the place. And I think with Daniels going down, that kind of hurts what they can do in terms of pressure, or at least from the outset, that seems like it does. So that that's more my main concern is kind of what Daniels does to the defense. I think offense offense is going to hurt, but they've got the pieces. Defense, I don't know, man, that, that one scares me a little bit. What, what, what about you? Yeah, you bring up a lot of great points. First and foremost, are you legitimately saying that Robert Tanyan cannot replace Jimmy Graham? Is that what you're telling me? I am saying that. I am saying that, Andy, to your face. Yeah, I know. I, and I obviously agree with you. You know, here's my here's my first question that I want to ask for you though, because you have broken down all of the offensive film in I grade the players and kind of what they're doing on the play. I know you look at it more from a scheme standpoint, what they're trying Mm -hmm. to do on offense. You had mentioned that, you know, they really, you know, use utilize Jimmy Graham to set up so much on this offense. Can you kind of break me and kind of the listeners through that a little bit? Sure, man. I mean, they use, um, and and I think when they were using at their best, it was when Cobb was in so the loss of Cobb with him being down kind of hurts him a little bit. They, did, they were doing a lot of stack look stuff with Cobb. It was almost like a um, like a Texas variation they were doing with Cobb and Graham, but the kind of a, out of a stack look where Graham's kind of the front man. You can almost look at Graham on some of that stuff as almost like the big shield. He's a big body. He's a big dude. People pay attention to him. And you kind of just kind of run a guy behind him and then split off at the last second. Um, so you get, you get some of that stuff. He was doing really good stuff with that with Cobb, but even beyond that, you know, he's, he's kind of, they've got him running kind of post from that tight end position. Um, a lot of that stuff, which, uh, which will tie up kind of the idea behind that was to tie up the safety in the middle as well as pull a linebacker back and then, and then kind of hit stuff, either hit stuff underneath or, or hit stuff on the outside because of that. I, again, like his numbers haven't looked great, but they've, they've done a lot of that stuff with him. A lot of kind of, 
Um, I, I've kind of thought of as Jimmy Graham as kind of the shield of the offense, where they kind of run him down, almost use him as a distraction, almost to kind of shield what's going on underneath, underneath him, and then just uh, and then run something off of that. So that's in in a nutshell. That seems to be how they've been using Graham. That I think he's done a really, really tremendous job of. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've seen some of the similar things that you're discussing. You know, from a tight end standpoint, I would actually love to say that Robert Tanyan is going to be able to come in and get his chance and do some things as a receiving tight end because I think he has that ability, not to the you know level of Jimmy Graham, but I think he's got some great receiving ability. We saw obviously a huge flash of that last week. But I, I have a feeling, just based off of what they've done this so far, I mean, Tanya, Tanya caught the huge touchdown last week. I, I don't even know, and I haven't got this far yet. I don't know that he got back in the game after that. Uh, <laughs> so my point being here is, to me, this is going to be Lance Kendricks and Mercedes Lewis. Lance Kendricks is probably going to get the majority of the snaps. I know I'm certainly not a huge fan of, of where that may be headed, and hopefully, in at least from my take, that I'm wrong. But – you know, Lance Kendricks does need to step up if that's the case. And he's had some opportunities to make some big plays. I thought he's actually played solidly, if unspectacularly, over the course of the last few weeks or so. He hasn't had any, you know, major egregious errors. He had some, you know, drops over the course of the few, first few weeks of the season that hurt the Packers. But I thought he's been okay. He's kind of you know, maybe worked his way into that H-back role a little bit more than, and maybe a little bit more comfortable than what he was earlier in the year. But obviously that trio, like you said, kind of Frankensteining them together, whether it be Kendricks, Tanyan, and uh, Lewis, you know, to kind of get through games. But it's obviously not going to be a position that threatens the defense or that the defense is going to have to pay attention to anymore, um, like it potentially could have been with Jimmy Graham when he was going well. Um, as far as defense goes and with the loss of Mike Daniels, they're actually, as you kind of mentioned, in a decent spot. They still have Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, who's been playing really strong football the course of the last few weeks. Montrevious Adams is a guy who has, when he's gotten in the game over the course of the last year and a half, has consistently struggled. But last week, the week prior, uh, was actually his best game of his career. He had the sack. Uh, against the Dolphins and uh, was consistently playing well when he got in that game. So that was the first time I actually watched Montrevious Adams in a regular season game. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I, I see now why there's been that upside. He showed it in preseason this year. He showed it in training camp last year during the season. And this year during the season, he struggled. That was a little bit of a wake up moment for him. And hopefully he can continue that. And a guy to really watch for me is Tyler Lancaster, who has put on some really nice film. He's stout against the run. He's been able to actually collapse a couple pockets, which I was surprised by for an undrafted rookie free agent. He's been somebody that's been pretty impressive in his first few games. So I think they're okay there, but I think the biggest loss is that teams are just going to double the heck out of Kenny Clark, which he sees a decent Mm -hmm. amount of doubles already, but now he's just going to see all of the doubles. So I think that's going to be an area where they're going to have to work through. And again, the Lowry's, the Lancaster's, the Adams, those guys are just going to have to step up. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. All right. So the the other thing that I kind of wanted to jump into right away, and I know it's kind of been discussed ad nauseum, uh, you know, throughout the, you know, post-game Seahawks and, and the following days after that, but it was that fourth down call at the end of the game. And uh, just to kind of recap, it was fourth and two on Green Bay's own 33-yard line, four minutes and 20 seconds left in the game. Uh, they, Rogers had just thrown the incomplete pass. Uh, MBS was open. He kind of threw it at his feet. 
course, we're in the fourth quarter down by three, one timeout plus the two minute warning remaining. And McCarthy chose to punt in that situation post game. He had mentioned that he really thought about going for it in that situation, but that they decided to trust the numbers. What was your gut reaction to that decision? And would you have gone for it or how would you have played that out? I mean, man, um, that was one of those, you know, I always say, you know, the hindsight thing, uh, you know, are the, what we do, Andy, was so much of the film stuff is based in hindsight. And that sometimes that can be tough to separate. Um, I was at a bar watching that with um, my brothers and a friend of ours who are actually heading up to a Packers game in a few weeks, which I'm very hyped about. Um, and when they started jogging the punt team on, every single one of us was like, nope, they're, they're not seeing the ball. This is a terrible decision. I, I understand the field position. I understand where they are. But based on the strengths and weaknesses and based on the fact that Clark had gone out, that Daniels had gone out, as soon as that punt team ran out, like, okay, they're not seeing the ball again. Like, this is this is a loss. They, they're not seeing the ball again, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, it's – you know, even going into that game, it was the strength was the Seahawks run game, and the weakness was the Packers, uh, Packers run defense. And they – I feel like they did okay kind of early-ish, but the Seahawks really kind of did better as it went along. Um, they, they did – I thought they did very well in the run game. I didn't think there was zero doubt in my mind that they were going to just run that ball and they were going to pick up all they needed was two first downs. They got two first downs. The The numbers thing, the numbers thing kills me because I don't know what numbers he was looking at. There are no numbers in that situation with who he has on the field that suggests that a punt is the good. Like in the second quarter, yeah, but with the game on the line, with that situation, with the timeouts, with, with how the run game had gone so far, no, like that's – that's a dumb decision. That was a very bad decision. Like I said at the time, the refs did not do a great job in that game, and they kind of gifted the Seahawks some stuff. I don't usually say that kind of thing, but they did. But that loss, I'm basically putting on McCarthy for that call. That's a terrible call and a terrible moment. And I, again, I don't know what the, I don't know what numbers he was looking at. There's no numbers that back that up. No numbers that back that up. So, in summation, Andy, I, I didn't like it. <laughs> There's a couple things I really, really disliked about it. The first thing is that this isn't week three and you're still feeling things out and trying to figure out what's going on. This is really a season ending potentially decision. This is a season changing position, a decision, excuse me. And who do you ultimately want the season to who do you want to put the ball in your hands of in that situation? Let me put it that way. Do you want to put it in your defense who is sans Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark's a little bit banged up, you know, Nick Perry's not in the game. And as far as Nick Perry's faults this season, you know, at times he can still be a pretty darn good edge setter and run defender, you know, regardless, even if the defense is totally healthy, who do you want season on the line in that position? Do you want your defense to have to get you a three and out or at least not have them pick up two first downs? Or do you want to give Aaron, you know, Aaron Rodgers one chance at two yards? So to put the, the season in the hands of the defense, I thought was a terrible decision to say the least. I thought mm-hmm. it did not put his team in the best position to succeed. I thought it lacked aggressiveness. The season's on the line. You have to pick up a first down and to punt it away was to me symbolic of almost punting away the season and potentially punting away his job. And, you know, he made the comment a couple weeks back, well, we're nobody's underdog, go out and show it, be aggressive. You know, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but Aaron Rodgers talked post game of needing a galvanizing moment. That's an opportunity to have that moment fourth down on your own 30, uh, you know, go out and make a play. But beyond that, beyond that egregious, you know, error in my opinion, they needed basically 
in order to, if they're going to punt the ball away, they're, they're basically saying we're going to get a three and out. Like mm-hmm. that's the only way that that's truly successful. I know if they didn't get a three and out, there's a little bit of an opportunity where they still could have got the ball back with minimal time left. But yeah. basically if you're punting, you're saying our defense is going to go three and out. The reason I hate this decision so incredibly much is because either way, whether you punt or if you fail on the first, uh, the fourth down attempt, you need the same exact three and out. Yep. And if you don't get the fourth down conversion and you hold them to a three and out, now you're down six instead of three. Yeah, it's less advantageous, uh, but you still have a chance to go down and win the game with seven points. And you're still putting the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands with a new set of downs, et cetera, et cetera. So either way, you need a three and out. And in the first situation, if you go for it, you actually have an opportunity to get to the point where you don't even need that three and out in the first place. So I thought it was an egregious error. I couldn't stand the call. And I thought it was really kind of, uh, again, a microcosm of the season as a whole and kind of how they've played and made decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with, I agree with everything you said. You said a lot of things I thought were way smarter, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. There's, I, I don't know. The more I think about it, the matter I get about it. It's, it's, it was just dumb. It's real dumb, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Frustrating to say the least. Let's talk about something positive that we, okay. I think we all need a little bit of something positive. And I think the biggest positive coming out of that game, and I can't believe I'm still saying this to an extent was Kyler Fackrell, his second <laughs> three sack game of the season. He's now got 24 tackles on the year. And more importantly than any of those, you know, ridiculous numbers, he looked at times, dare I say, explosive out on the field, you know, kind of what's gotten into Kyler Fackrell. And is this a true breakout season and breakout moment, or was this kind of just a right spot at the right time sort of thing? It's both, right? I mean, I think it's both. I mean, he looks better. He looks bigger. Like you said, he's got some moves. He had, you know, for through his first two years, he had two moves. He had a speed rush, and then he had something else. But that was, like, he had no counters. Like, he didn't have, like, one of the moves wasn't working. He didn't know anything else to do. He had one of the sacks he picked up this past week was, was like a a bull rush rip through. Like he just, he got into the body of the guy. And then when he got where he needed to be, he just, he ripped it, just discarded him. Like what we saw out of like Nick Perry, when Nick Perry was good, um, like he's got moves now. And so like, that's legitimate. Petten is also scheming him. Like one of his sacks, one of his sacks this past week, at least one of his other ones on the season, maybe two other ones on the season were unblocked just because the scheme got him unblocked through the middle. Like, so I, I, he's gotten better. Like he's, I, <laughs> if you look at outside linebacker pass rushers, like he's the number one guy we've got right now. Correct. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who else it would be. Um, the numbers are there. And like I said, some of it's schemed, but like he's got moves, he's gotten better. And, and the thing that's, that's really promising to me that I was kind of looking after that game is, is he had been like a situational pass rusher basically up until, week nine or the ninth game, I guess, up until the Miami game, he hadn't played more than like 51% of the snaps through, through basically the new England game. Uh, and so he's basically used situational pass rusher he gets out there, you know, fresh legs or whatever against Miami. who's out there for 70% of the snaps against Seattle. He's out there for 83% of the snap, the snaps. So he's, he's out there more these past two weeks he's out there more and he's still being productive. So this whole, like him now being a situational pass rusher, or that's what's kind of getting in there. That's kind of going out the window these past two weeks if he can keep it up because he's he's out there and he's still giving the effort that he's getting. He's still getting to the quarterback. So I think it's I think it's a mix of both. I think it's for real. I also think it's a bit of a mirage, but I also think he has gotten better. I don't think he's as good as a sack total show, but he's way better than I ever thought he was going to be. 
Yeah. For, so for a few weeks now, I've said that he has been the best edge rusher on the team this season. In fact, the three other edge rushers, uh, Perry and Matthews and Gilbert are three of my lowest graded defenders. In fact, Perry and Matthews are my two lowest graded defenders on the team. Whereas even prior to this week, I haven't finished the grades for this week yet. Uh, even prior to this week, Fackrell was the only one that was in the positive. It's not like he was way above and beyond, but he was, you know, in the positive, which is, you know, far greater than being, you know, two or three of the lowest graded players on the team. So to me, he was already performing at that level. And my thought going into this week was, well, when you're, like you said, not playing a ton of snaps, it definitely gives you an advantage over some of the starters. Whereas, you know, Perry and Matthews are playing these, you know, the bulk of the snaps and having to, you know, really kind of, you know, wear down the D Mm -hmm. wear down the offensive tackles and do kind of the yeoman's work, if you will. And then Fackrell can come in on a play here or there and, you know, kind of bring all the energy and everything that he's got to kind of go get to the quarterback or set the edge or do whatever he needs to do. I thought maybe, you know, if he ever has to play 70, 80 snaps in a game, you know, whatever it may be that they're probably setting him up for failure. But then this week comes along and here he is playing at a high level, you know, playing consistently throughout the course of the game. And I've now seen him, you know, over the course of the last few weeks, get pressure on the quarterback. I've seen him spy the quarterback. I've seen him, you know, make pass breakups, you know, so he's doing a little bit of everything. And I'm, I'm hesitant to say that it's this huge breakout. I don't necessarily know that, you know, you want him as a, a starting edge defender still, but he has definitely become a very, very viable you know, part of a edge rush rotation and somebody that you have to kind of account for a little bit when he's in there. So I think that's a huge improvement and it'll be interesting to see kind of where his career goes from here. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I just think it's too, I kind of said this during the game as well, but I think it's just such a a cool story. These are some of the stories that I really love cheering because everyone, and I think pretty much everyone had written Kyler Fackrell off and was ready to move on, you know, give Kendall Donerson a chance, pick up John Simon, you know, do something, you know, to replace Kyler Fackrell and for him to come in and kind of block out all the noise or at minimum, maybe use it for motivation and have the season that he's having lead the team in sacks and really be that key part and, you know, really working his way towards a, probably a pretty decent contract either with the Packers or another team coming up in the near future. Uh, just good on him. I, I, I'm really pumped for him and I'm happy to see that that's the story that he's been able to tell throughout the course of this year. Yeah. There was a single man on Twitter who was just not stop talking good things about Kyler Fackrell. That's the only person I've ever heard. And I, I don't think he's around anymore. I think I blocked him anyway, because he was weird. But, was it uh, Kyler Fackrell? It was, it was Kyler Fackrell's burner, I think. Well, he, he deserves it, and whoever it was, good on that person. So For sure. Congratulations to Kyler Fackrell. Keep it up and keep doing it for, you know, that'd be awesome. End with 17 sacks. Go do it. You know, just make it happen. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's say the Packers started at 0-0 zero and zero today. New season started, same exact team as they are right now. How far off is this team? I kind of posted out on Twitter a little bit earlier this week. To me, there's two games that they really played well against the Bills and the Dolphins. They, they handled those two teams and they, you know, got two wins in those ones. I thought there were two losses at Redskins and at Lions that, you know, maybe the score was a little bit closer at the end with the Lions. But for the most part, I thought those two games were firmly in the loss column and they kind of got on, you know, outplayed through the majority of those two games. 
I thought every other game could have really gone any way dependent upon maybe two or three plays here or there. But I think that kind of puts you in the position where you're about basically a 500 team, maybe a little below, maybe a little bit above. And that's exactly what they've been so far. Is that what they are? And how far away are they from being able to win some of these close games against good opponents? I First of all, if they keep giving up on fourth and two, they're they're pretty pretty far away, pretty far away from winning those. Um, but really, I mean, it's been a weird season, man. I, and some of that, I have a hard time figuring out where that goes. Um, you know, there's the whole thing about preseason. Um, the, the starters don't really play in preseason. Rogers played a single series in preseason, and and how does that hurt? How does that hurt chemistry, especially when you've got a bunch of young guys on the team? And I mean, that's, I think that's a big question. I also know the Rams set most of their starters and that offense is just bonkers, but you know, they, they, they've got some, they got some vets there. So maybe I'll, I'll toss it off. And then how much of that is Rogers knee. And, you know, he always works himself into the, the season as the season goes on. He hasn't had a chance to do that because there's the knee he's been sitting out practice. And so I keep waiting. Like I, I keep thinking this season is like a regular season and, and I discount that stuff. Uh, and so I keep thinking, well, they're going they're turning around any moment now. They're you know, four, five, and one. This is the time, you know. Actually, the Seahawks game is about the time they usually start turning that stuff around. I I think if it started zero zero, I think they'd be in a good spot. Um, I, the problem going forward with this season is that they've only banked four wins and we're entering into week twelve. That's a problem. I do think I think the offense, and I feel like oh, I've been saying this for a while. The offense is closer. The offense is closer than I think a lot of people think it is. And I think some of that is what has to do with Aaron Jones. I think the defense, you know, is getting better every week or the past defenses anyway, uh, just because of it's young guys that are that are kind of playing and then they get in the system a little better and Petten's opening up a little bit more. I think if it's 0-0, zero, zero, I don't know, with the same schedule, um, 10 and 6. I think they're 10 and 6, 11 and 5. Um, and, and I think and that's a playoff spot. I think they, um, like, like you said, I mean, they win that Bears game. They beat the Vikings because Clay Matthews doesn't get called for that terrible thing. We'll bank the Redskins and Lions losses. They beat the Bills. That Niners game I don't think is as close as it should have been. They beat either the Rams or the Pats. Um, and I think they beat the Seahawks. Like I think I think they're sitting pretty at this point if it starts 0-0 and you're sitting where they are right now. But maybe that's just maybe that's just misplaced optimism, Andy. <laughs> maybe it is. It's so tough to tell. And they from a talent standpoint, they don't seem that far off. It, it seems like they they should be you know having a better record than they do right now, and it's I, I've I've wa- as you know I've watched every snap up to this point in, in great detail, and I just really struggle to put exactly my finger on what's wrong. And I've I've and I thought Daniel Jeremiah actually had a great tweet this week, and he said the Packers have a lot of really good individual players, but they're a very mediocre team. Yeah. And I think it's really spot on because I think they have a lot of really intriguing players. I mean, listen, this offense has every you know ingredient mm-hmm. that you need to be very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, at minimum, a MVP quarterback. Aaron Jones is an absolute stud at running back. David Bakhtiari is the best left tackle in football, and I still think they have one of the best tackle combos in all of football. Um, Corey Lindsley is a really good center. And I think that offensive line as a whole is still top 10 in this league, probably at minimum, even though the guards have struggled at times. You've got a Jimmy Graham, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling gives them one of their, uh, you know, a deep threat that they haven't had in a really long time. I mean, we all know the players. It's just crazy to me that they haven't been able to put it together with any level of consistency. And 
it's been really, really difficult for me to exactly put my finger on why that is, but it's just, it hasn't meshed. And, you know, Rogers mentioned, of course, in his press conference that maybe they just need this galvanizing moment. Maybe they, uh, they could have had that, like I said earlier, if they maybe went for it on fourth down, but I think that's a ridiculous concept. If I have to say this, this is a professional football team. And your job is to go out and win football games. You shouldn't need a phrase or a, you know, a pep talk or a moment or a, you know, game winning touchdown to have a successful season, especially with the talent that's on this team. And if it takes a galvanizing moment this late in the season for things to click and for you to go on a run, that run's probably not coming because that moment's probably not coming. That's my thought on it, at least. Yeah, I mean, you know, they caught lightning in a bottle for a couple of years, and that was cool. But, I mean, you look at – look what the Saints are doing, man. I mean, the Saints got just – I mean, I think that was a close game, but they gave up, whatever, like 50 points to the Bucks or whatever in week one. And it was – I mean, <laughs> that game happened. I don't know about you, Andy, but I was – um, all right, this draft pick's going to look good. I guess the Saints are bad now. And the Saints have ripped off like nine straight wins. I, there was no galvanizing moment there. That's just a team that's good, and they're doing good things. They had an off week. like, I, And I don't know if it's the Packers have gotten so used to just like getting to that point where they have to do that. And some of that is – I might be speaking out of turn here. Is that – some? how much of that is on the coaching? You know, I mean, like if you need that galvanizing moment to actually kind of get stuff together where the players actually believe, and we're going to do this and rah, rah, rah. Like does that point, is that an indictment of the coaching that they're not ready to play every week that they need that kind of like players us against them thing that it's not the coaches. You know what I mean? Like that worries me that that's kind of that mentality that they need or that they think they need or whatever. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird, man. I thought, I, I thought that was a very strange comment for sure. Yeah, I, I don't think it certainly helps McCarthy's case at no. minimum. And it, it just seems like maybe McCarthy hasn't had the the perfect pulse of this team throughout the course of this year. And it's it's just disappointing. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. There's six games left, and maybe they can turn it around. I mean, the great news is that the really tough stretch – of the schedule is over the three toughest games that were basically three out of four um, with the situation they were in are over. The bad news is they lost all three of those games, (laughs) you know, but at least it's over and they've got six games left, you know, looking ahead, the first of those six games, of course, is against Minnesota on the road, probably the toughest remaining game. Although I guess at bears in uh, about four weeks is right up there as well. I mean, this is do or die. Every game pretty much from here on out is do or die. What do they need to do to get on track against the Vikings and get the season hopefully turned around? They got to win, man. I mean, you know, one of the biggest things that I think they're actually in a really good position to do is um, pick off Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins makes some really dumb decisions. Just, man, like going back, like as long as he's been in the league, just so many dumb decisions, just remarkably dumb decisions. So, I mean, that's that's the big one, man. They got to win the turnover battle. That's huge. They've got to be able to. I mean, they got to be able to run and throw the ball. This this Vikings defense is tough. We you know we're watching. I turned the game off, but you know we were watching the Bears kind of do stuff. The funny thing to me is the Bears look like world beaters, and they put up fourteen points uh, through three quarters basically on the Vikings. So I mean, Vikings are tough, but you know they got to get Aaron Jones going. They for for as good as Aaron Jones did against the Dolphins, he got what like twelve touches total against the Seahawks. So I mean they've got to get Aaron Jones going. The and the passing game. I've been saying this, man, this is going on, what, 12 weeks now. The passing game's got to be in sync, and that might be tough without Jimmy Graham there. Um, but they've, they've got to be able to function at a high level on offense. They've got to be able to 
move the ball. The Vikings are not going to give up a lot of deep stuff, so it's going to be some dink and dunk stuff. So Rodgers is going to have to get that ball out of his hand quick, take the occasional shot, but just, man, just take what they give you. You got to take what they give you. They're going to rally and attack you, but they got to take what they give you. And on defense, it's really just, I mean, slow down the run if you can and and pick off the balls as you can. I mean, I think the, I think the um, provided everyone's healthy and the secondary, fingers crossed, um, I think they've got the pieces to combat kind of what the Vikings have there. Uh, it's just they, they, they've got to take advantage of those turnovers that Cousins is going to give them. So that's, I don't know, that's that's kind of what I got. I kind of ran the gamut. I don't know how much you left you have to talk about, Andy, but go for it. <laughs> Here, here's my ridiculously kind of crazy and stupid take. Um, I think they need to get just flat out crazy explosive on offense. And wow. if, if they want to, you know, really make an impact, have a galvanizing moment, really turn the season around. The only way that that's going to happen is by really getting it together on offense and really putting an explosive game plan together. I would, I would coach this game and I don't care what I'd have to do, whether it's trick plays or, you know, whatever I would coach this game. Like we need to put up 40 some points because I think that's the way that it would get this season rolling. Potentially. If you could have a big Aaron Rodgers game, I'm talking like a five or six touchdown Aaron Rodgers game to get this offense going and to get some momentum and to pick up a win. And then all of a sudden Cardinals at home, Falcons at home, you know, then you've got your one tough game left bears on the road. And then you've got jets and lions to end the season. If you just get that one spark, that really huge game, I would throw the kitchen sink out there. If I were Mike McCarthy, like just give it every, you know, talk to Aaron Rodgers, find out every explosive play that you like, and just do it. Just throw it out there and see what happens. And I'm not saying that that you know excludes Aaron Jones from running the football. And quite, in fact, quite the opposite. I think they absolutely have to get him involved and get him in space so that he can make some of those explosive plays as well. But go out there and just lay it on the you know the first Viking game was supposed to be the Aaron Rodgers revenge game for last year with Anthony Barr. That didn't happen because of a stupid Clay Matthews penalty that never should have happened. To me, that was the, if there's a non-galvanizing moment, if there's an unraveling moment, to me, that was the unraveling moment because they were about to go 2-0. and They had to play about an extra 20, 30 snaps on defense because that game went to overtime and because they didn't get that interception. And I think that, you know, completely cut the legs out of them against Washington, not saying that they necessarily would have won that game, but I think they would have been in a much better position. And I think that was, and I think they, you know, lost momentum because they didn't get that win against the Vikings. And heck, even if that's just, it it is as it is five and five sounds a heck of a lot better right now than Mm -hmm. four, five and one and every little half game at this point really significantly matters. So they need to flip the script. They need to get that moment back, get a huge win against the Vikings, and then who knows what happens from there. But if they just come out flat on offense again, and it's another 10 touches for Aaron Jones and another 17-point performance in Minnesota, then it's, it's done. It's over with. So bring your A game. Bring your explosive plays. Let's get after it. Let's do it, and let's see what happens from there. And you know what? Maybe you get a loss against the Bears in four weeks, and it doesn't matter anyway. But let's see what we got now. Let's see what happens through the rest of the season. That's my crazy galvanizing moment speech. I'm going to tell you what was really exciting to me and what they've done with Aaron Jones. It's not just the running game. Um, this past week, especially, you know, that pat, that that uh, pat, the touchdown pass he caught came on a really nice kind of like post wheel out combo that was just tremendous. That's kind of what he also brings to the passing game. So you're right. I mean, we talk about Aaron Jones. It's not just the running game. He can be a threat in the passing game. He was a, a wide receiver in high school. So. Yeah, get creative with it, man. Go for it on fourth and two. Go for it on fourth and seven in enemy territory. Don't settle for field goals in the red zone. Just, man, throttle all or not. There's no difference between losing 
by three and losing by 20. Uh, just give it all you got me. Just just throttle. Pedal the metal, Andy. I'm with I you. Agree. You got me fired up. No, Nobody's underdog will go out and show it. Go be aggressive. Go out right. and go out and win a game and really bring it to them. That'd be awesome. And and really stick a, you know, a fork in Minnesota's playoff plans as well. All right, before we head out, I have a quick question for you. So they've got at Vikings, Cardinals at home, Falcons at home, at Bears, at Jets, and then Lions at home. Six games left. At the end of those six games, uh, what will their record in those six games be? Oh man, you know, I want to say I want to say they're going six and zero through those games. Um, let's see, they're winning. They're winning Cardinals, Falcons, Jets, Lions. I'm giving them four wins. I'm going to be generous. I'm giving them four. Um, you know, honestly, the other two. Kind of as you mentioned, Andy, the other two kind of hinge on what they do this next week. If they beat the Vikings, I believe they're beating the Bears. Um, because if they beat the Vikings, I believe they're going to come out and look very, very good against the Vikings, and then that pretends good things down the road. I'm going to say I, I like to be optimistic as much as I can. This is my my galvanizing moment for them is for them to listen to this podcast and then hear me say bad things about them. This <laughs> is my plan, Andy. I think four and two, and they're losing the Vikings and Bears. Um, I think they're coming out. Against the Vikings, they had 10 days. I still just ha- – I, I, part of it is I've, I've almost kind of given up hope because I've been hoping for this offense to turn it around this entire year, and they have not. And so I'm not going to believe it until they actually show it to me for a full game. Um, so I think they're going to come out flat – not flat. I just think they're going to lose to the Vikings. Uh, and then, you know, they beat the Cardinals. They'll beat the Falcons. They're going to lose to the Bears. And then those last two games, it doesn't matter. They're going to beat. They're going to beat the Jets. They're going to beat the Lions. And it doesn't really matter. So I think I think four and two, but they're losing the two important ones. Yeah, and it really, you know, kind of as you said, it could depend very much on this Vikings game and how these first few games go. Because if you start losing a couple and they are all of a sudden out of the playoffs entirely, then things could get rather ugly very fast, um, especially against you know games against the Falcons and the Bears and things like that. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to say. Man, it's really difficult. I'm going to say they go three and three uh, the rest of the way. Obviously, that's not going to cut it from a playoff standpoint, but I just think they've played 500 football for a very long time now, and I think that that may be the way that things end up, and we'll see what that brings them. We'll see if that potentially brings them a new coach or where that you know leads them going forward. Obviously, I'm hoping for 6-0. and I'm not the guy that's hoping for 0-6 and a better draft pick. Give me 6-0, and give me a run, and we'll let's see what happens, but – I just see maybe as three and three. I think that Falcons game and even the Lions yeah. game might be a little bit tougher than people expect. Right now, about you know the only game that I expect to be easy is Cardinals at home. Um, I think you know until they show they can win on the road, even even Jets yeah, on the road true. seems difficult at the moment. So we'll see what happens if they get the Vikings game. Then I'm you know I'm much more likely to say all right maybe four and two five and one maybe even six and zero oh is an option if they fall at the Vikings I think things could unravel rather quick obviously yeah. only time will tell all right Dusty any final thoughts for today no man I mean I, I you know I kind of I posted some stuff on Twitter this past or tonight I'm losing track of time Andy um, I really think the passing offense I, the people have been hard on the passing offense I think the passing offense is in a good spot as far as routes run I think there are a few tweaks made that they could do that could kind of like just throttle this sucker. Uh, and and just based on how the season has gone, I don't think they're going to start doing that now. But I really don't think the passing offense is as bad as people say. That's that's basically my final thought. I, wanna, I just want to stick up for the passing offense for a second, Andy. 
Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with you. However, I will say that there's a certain expectation and level of quality that's been maybe set over the course of the years and when you have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. And I don't necessarily know that that level of expectation has, you know, consistently been met. But sure. um it's been a team, it's been a it's been a whole team thing. You know, the defense hasn't consistently gotten turnovers. The special teams has basically been an unmitigated nightmare and yeah. they screw something up in one uh, or two or three or four or five way, shapes, or forms, you know, in any given game. And uh, you know, it takes a, a team effort and it takes situational football and complementary football to be successful as a team. And when your defense isn't getting you those turnovers and getting you in plus territory where you can pick up some easy points and some easy yardage, um, you know, to get in the end zone. I think that makes things very, very difficult when you've got to go 70 to 75 yards every single time that makes things difficult. And when, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but when you're not giving one of your best players on offense, the ball more than 10 times a game, that's going to set the passing game up for failure. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just a ton of little things that build up throughout the course of a game. And I think that's what makes it so frustrating is because yeah, yeah, the the passing offense uh, in and of itself, probably not as bad as like you said, people think, but um, you know, I think it has a lot more to do with the situations they're put in and just the level sure. that people expect them to meet because of Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy being an offensive, you know, uh, mind and things like that. So I think that's where people are at. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I actually do have one other final thought, Andy. I give this speech every single year when it looks like the Packers are out of the playoffs. I'm not saying that's the case now. But what I am saying is that even if the Packers are not playing well, we're very lucky to be cheering for this team. And beyond that, there's still reasons to watch this team. There's still like, I mean, this is kind of how I got into doing what I do, Andy, and I'm sure you're the same thing. I mean, there's things you're curious about you want to dig into a little more. So when you're watching a game, the Packers aren't doing particularly well, but you're kind of wondering, hey, how does Brian Bulaga watch? Just watch him every snap. Just watch Oren Burks, Antonio Morrison. Just watch someone you're curious about that you can see on the broadcast every single snap and see what you can learn about that. Even if the game isn't going well, even if the season is not going well, there are still reasons to watch. There's still interesting things to watch every single game. So don't give up on this team, even if they're end up out of the playoff hunt, because there's still there's still things to learn about the game. There's still things to, to kind of carry forward with you. So that's my that's my kind of end of the year speech I usually give. No, I, I totally agree. And you know, regardless of what happens, there are gonna be some really huge snaps to be played, hopefully by you know the Kevin Kings, the Jair Alexanders, the Josh Jacksons, the Raven Greens, the Tyler Lancasters, Matravius Adams, um, you know, Oren Burks, as you mentioned, you know, from an offensive standpoint, MVS, Equinemius St. Brown, Robert Tanyan, uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, these are young, young players mm-hmm. that are gonna be playing some very important snaps. And even if they lose the next three or four in a row, those snaps and how those players improve over the course of the next six weeks is going to be a huge determining factor of how this team plays, you know, for the next couple of seasons. And yeah, maybe some of those undrafted guys, I just mentioned, maybe they're not even around next year, but there are going to be a majority of those guys I just mentioned that are, and are going to be playing huge roles on this team a season from now. So uh, it's, it's always intriguing to watch those players. And it's, as you said, it's always a joy to watch this team and see where they're headed. And uh, there's, as, as sometimes as frustrating it is, especially when wins aren't adding up, there's always positive takeaways. And, you know, we saw a big one from Kyler Fackrell this week and nobody saw that coming. So you just never quite know. All right, Dusty, what do you have uh, coming out from a writing and podcasting standpoint? Anything coming out soon? Yeah, I mean, I had my um, – I didn't pimp it too hard because I'm going to do it tomorrow, but I did the, my passing offense breakdown for the Seattle game went up 
Uh, well, I guess this is going to go out Monday. Uh, it came out yesterday. Um, so I'm going to pimp that a little bit tomorrow. So I kind of ran through, I think it was seven plays this week that um, I found interesting, either good or bad. Kind of uh, started to kind of throw some diagrams in there, kind of some teaching moments. I've got that. That's out now. Um, I think I'm recording uh, another Pack to the Future one that will be out later this week. And I'm also planning a little uh, quick little game charting uh, project that I'm doing where I'm going to go through every single one of the Packers third and shorts plays. Uh, because one of the major complaints I've heard has just been Rodgers won't throw to Aaron Jones when it's third and short. Uh, so I'm kind of look at everything kind of third and within seven, I think, and just kind of see what were the options that he not really checked down. Did he have a shorter option or was he going for the deeper thing and kind of how those numbers worked out. So, so with the long week, I've decided to pick up an extra project. So I'm hoping that'll be out later this week. And then um, I'll be eating a lot of food and uh, and die probably. So that's that's what I got this week, Andy. Well, don't die, but uh, I hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving. Thanks so much for joining me. You were uh, late notice today, and you stepped up to the plate. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, so thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, make sure to follow Dusty's work on Pack to the Future, both his writing and his podcasting. Both are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he'll be on with Steve Perhack next Thursday. Not mm-hmm. this Thursday, but the following Thursday in his normal time slot. Dusty, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I hope you have an awesome uh, Thanksgiving and uh, enjoy your time. You as well. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Appreciate it, man. You bet. Uh, Thank you as always for listening and following along with the Packaday podcast. You can make sure uh, to follow us on Twitter at Packaday podcast. Tomorrow, Ross Uglum and Jacob Morley will continue to get you prepped for Vikings Packers. Uh, Thank you to Dusty for joining me. And until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Six seconds to go. Ball just outside the four. Roger shotgun looks to his right. Snap to A-Rod. Throws right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dunker! The dunker to Andrew Paulus on the right side! Aaron pointing to the right now. Gets the snap. Looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Leaping right yes! to Montana. Yes! Touchdown Green Bay! A spectacular throw and catch to the left side of the end zone! Rodgers from the 42 New York, fourth down and two. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, scrambles right. Now, winds up, rainbows into the end zone. It is caught. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.